Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My next guest, Mike Kinney, shouldn't be alive today. And the reason for that is this. When his truck slammed into a telephone pole and burst into flames, the 17-year-old became pinned in the driver's seat. Moments before the vehicle was consumed by fire, Mike was pulled from the burning wreckage of twisted metal as his body burned. After Mike's guitar was incinerated in the blaze, Pete Townsend, from The Who, a musical inspiration, sent him a new guitar offering, This is the Phoenix. In the wake of his Phoenix moment of rising from the ashes, Mike wanted to believe that his life had been saved for a unique purpose, and it was, which we do uh, dive into during this conversation. But along the way, through a brutally painful physical recovery, learning to live with a brain injury, and eventually several vocational disappointments, that purpose to which he believed God had called him seemed in jeopardy. Determined though, Mike pressed on. Mike's life was saved by God from the flames for a unique purpose, as he says, and his brand new book, Out of the Fire, invites you guys, the readers, to live out the purpose God has for their own lives, even when and especially when that purpose seems to be in jeopardy in moments where you might not actually know, am I on the right path? And this is something that I also talk about in my own book, The Path of an Eagle. But this was a conversation that I found rather powerful and really, really inspiring, and I hope that you do too. We don't just touch on the incident. We go deep into what actually happened. So you can hear firsthand about that. Mike had 30% of his body burned, then he had a brain injury on top of that. But what actually transpired? How was he saved, this stranger who suddenly disappeared and and so many other aspects to this miraculous story of leaving Mike wondering, why am I still here? I should be dead. And I don't know about you guys, but I've had several near-death experiences. And in hindsight, you always wonder, why in the world am I still here? 
And it's an important question because ultimately I believe that God keeps us here because he wants us to stay here because his ultimate purpose for our lives hasn't been fulfilled. And I think that's a beautiful way of looking at life and the world because he's not done with us yet. And as you will no doubt listen to in the moments to come, there is purpose with pain and how God turns that all around for a, for a unique for a unique offering for people. So my friends, if you do get something from it, please do share it around with your friends and your family. Let everyone know about this one. Also, don't forget, you can get Mike's book, Out of the Fire, which is now available uh, in the show notes to get a copy wherever books are sold uh, as well. It's truly a powerful, powerful message, and I hope that you guys get a lot out of this one. So, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box and listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Mike Guinea. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here, man. My very first question for you, this is a question that I love starting off all my conversations with, which is you've been through like a lot of this crazy ordeal and, and experiences in life being brushed up with near death. And I'm curious now at the age you are, so this happened when you were 17, the age you are now, what does success look like for you? Oh man. I mean, yeah, the accident was 20 years ago. So, uh, you know, success today looks like, uh, helping someone, helping anyone that's caught in their own burning truck, uh, helping them find hope, uh, find meaning in the middle of it, uh, and purpose coming out of it. When did that's, you, when did you realize that, that was success for you? Well, you know, it took a long time because it was a long journey of recovery. It didn't happen uh, in the hospital. It didn't happen in the first couple of years or a few years, uh, several years. It took a decade uh, and really over the last 20. Uh, so, you know, I think I fi figured out at uh, in 2018 after I had had some pretty... Uh, you know, just uh, difficult uh, things happen in my life in 2017 and coming out of that into 2018, I gave my, I shared my story with some guys on a church retreat and uh, coming out of that, it was like, <laughs> the title of my talk was designed for God's purpose. And uh, I think God has a sense of humor because that's something I had wrestled with my whole life. And it's like, why did I make it out of this? Why doesn't everybody make it out of their burning truck? Uh, uh, you know, and I don't know if there's a good answer to that question, but it's something I wrestled with. And uh, so, yeah, 2018, I shared my story and that's where I had this vision of myself uh, kneeling down next to my friend who pulled me out of this burning truck. And it was like, I was just felt like that's, that's why you're here. You're here because you're supposed to go help people that are lost and broken and hurting and, jaded and all, all these things you're supposed to, you're supposed to share your story and try to give people hope. I really do believe that God has a, a massive sense of humor. I mean, if God didn't have a sense of humor, then we probably wouldn't have one either because he created us. <laughs> so I think that there is a, a massive crossover there, but God's sense of humor is a lot better than ours at the best mm -hmm. of times. <laughs> so, and, and it's very interesting how you mentioned your 
God's purpose for your life, what have you, aside from helping people get out of their own burning trucks, and I would ask you to explain what that actually means in the reality of life, but what do you believe that is, what is your God-given purpose? Coming out of the accident, uh, you know, my purpose is to be, uh, today, my purpose is to be a father and a husband. Um, it's to just use the time that I have. Uh, I mean, every moment that we have, every conversation, every interaction we have to try to use that to, uh, you know, to, to share God's goodness, you know, and to share hope with others. And, uh, you know, I think it's definitely developed over the years uh, into it's meant something different. But today, my purpose is to really two things to remind people that you're never too broken to be used by God. And you are created for a purpose that's uniquely your own. Uh, so no matter what you've been through, what you're going through, God can use that uh, to potentially change someone's life forever. Uh, it's It's a real thing. That's part of my story. It's like, he can use you and, and your situation, what you've been through uh, to radically change somebody's life. Absolutely, man. And I, I think your story is a powerful one. The fact that you are still alive today, if we, and I also say as well, before we journey into your story and what actually happened that day, I also say when it comes down to purpose, we need to start distinguishing between I am versus I do who you are is fundamentally more important than whatever, what you do in life. What you do is still important, but if you don't take who you are into what you do, you're going to be a lot more miserable because then you're going to be chasing this false sense of meaning and purpose and, and reality that doesn't satisfy, that doesn't really give you that, that level of, of true grounding and understanding of the world and life. And, and once you do achieve those things that the world tells you that you should achieve, then you just feel stuck. You're like, what's next? You know? So I think having that first understanding of this is who I am. This is who God made me to be in the first mm -hmm. place. This is my story. And, and, and it's powerful because God gave mm -hmm. us all a story and it's a unique one as you talk about it in your book, no doubt. And the fact that you are still here, I think shows fundamentally that God is real, <laughs> but we will get to that. I promise. I'm probably talking too much here, but I wanted to ask you, you're 17 years old and you're in a truck. What happened, my friend? Fell asleep at the wheel and went, uh, my friend was driving in front of me, saw me swerve off the road in his rearview mirror and, uh, went through a hollow tree. And, uh, that kind of put me back towards the road and, went into a telephone pole going about 55 miles an hour and was driving a 1987 Ford truck. And it had one of the long hoods on it and everything crushed back onto my legs. Uh, so that long hood was just completely crumpled and I was wedged underneath the dashboard. So, uh, I was stuck. I had a brain injury. So I was, I was out, uh, and my friend came back and, uh, saw that the truck was on fire. And was it the, your friend that saved you? It was, yes, it was, he pulled on me for five or six minutes and then uh, couldn't get me out. I was kind of in a ditch. And so uh, he didn't have a ton of leverage to pull on me. 
the flames were moving pretty quickly through this cloth interior. So uh, he finally realized I had my seatbelt on. He burned himself getting the seatbelt off of me. And then he kept pulling on me. And it, it had been for probably five or so minutes before this car is coming down this dark country road. And so he leaves me hanging from the truck. Um, I had crushed this side of my face, my left eye socket, and my eye was hanging out. And he leaves me hanging from the truck, runs back to the road to try to stop this guy. And the car just drives by him. like, And he's like, you got to be kidding me. So he runs back towards the truck. Well, this guy had just tried to get out of the way of all the, the wreckage and was came running through the woods and was like, you got to get away from the truck. It's going to blow up. And uh, we actually have video footage of the flames from when the fire truck got to the scene of the accident. So you can see this is like 15 foot flames and they're yelling back and forth. And finally he comes over and helps and they pull me out. And you were awake, you were conscious. I was, uh, I was alive, but I was unconscious and uh, I couldn't, uh, my friend couldn't get smoke out of his lungs for days after the accident. I didn't have any smoke. I didn't inhale any smoke, which means I wasn't breathing for, you know, I don't know how long, uh, at least five minutes. That is crazy. So how long after that process of you being pulled from the wreckage, how long after that, were you still unconscious during that whole, whole ordeal? I was. I think my friend realized um, as they got closer to being able to pull me out that I, was, I started gurgling and making some weird noises, he said. And so he knew I was alive um, and, uh, you know, he was going to pull me out one way, you know, either way. But uh, yes, that's when he realized that I was still, I was still alive. And was your most of your body burned? How? What was the percentage of how much? Yeah, it burned about thirty percent of my body. So I burned pretty much my entire right leg into my Achilles tendon. So it was down to the bone, and then my left leg, uh, it it burned my arm and my hands and my back, and so it was kind of all over the place. But. Uh, you know, it could have been, it, it could have been worse. And, uh, uh, you know, I was fortunate to make it out. That is crazy. Was an ambulance called not long after that? Yeah. Ambulance was called. They actually called a chopper. As soon as the officer saw me laying in the field, he, he said, call bird. Um, so I was lifeline to the local hospital here and, um, spent quite a bit of time there in the hospital. And how long was the recovery process, man? Oh man, the recovery process from the burns probably two to three years. And then uh, even I always had to buy two sizes of shoes, like a 10 and 11, because my right foot was so big and swollen all the time. And I couldn't fight off infection in my right leg. So every time I got a new pair of shoes, no matter how big it was, it would wear a hole in the side of my foot. And then I'd get an infection. And like, so I was dealing with that for years and years after the accident. And even to this day, I have to be careful with it. But um, yeah, it's uh, the brain injury took much longer. I was, I was in cognitive rehab back in 2014. So this would have been 12 years after the accident with uh, several eight and 10 year olds uh, and graduated from this program, you know, but it was helping me with the, the brain injury. I want to get to more of the recovery in just a moment. Before I do that, I wanted to ask you the question. This may be a difficult one to answer, but we'll see how we go. How does going through a near-death experience for you prove that God is real? You know, when I was waking up, 
and not coherent with this brain injury, um, but starting to understand what had happened. I think I told friends that I had fallen down a flight of stairs, uh, you know, and they're like, no, you had a car accident. And this, I couldn't tell them how many sides were on a triangle. I couldn't lift up my middle finger on command. So like it, the brain injury was, was pretty bad. And when Matt started to explain what had happened to, to me, uh, and I, I, you might be going there with future questions, you know, but uh, there's this, this moment that happened in the field with Matt and I, where he had been calling on Jesus's name. He's like, I can't do this alone. I can't do this without you. Like, uh, we're stuck. Uh, Jesus help me, you know? And so once they get me out of the truck, the stranger that had kind of helped pull me out, he disappears. We don't know where he went. He left the scene of the accident. So it's just my friend Matt and I in this field. And he's got one hand on my chest, the other one lifted to the sky. And he's just praying like Jesus, like, please like help me. And so in that moment, he says that out of the corner of his eye, he sees this figure walking towards him and it's like moving super calmly, like not in any big hurry at all. And he describes him wearing like a button down shirt and carrying a black doctor's bag. And there's this moment where, you know, Matt's like, he just knew he's like, it was Jesus like knelt down across from me, like lifted up my face, like looked at me and, and said, Matt, it's okay. Like Mike's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And Matt's convinced to this day that God was healing me in the middle of that field in that moment. And so that like this story is just was amazing for me to hear. And it's never changed in 20 years. Matt's not a weird spiritual guy. Um, uh, he's, he's a, 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 he's a great guy. He's actually, I was his first save. He's an ER doctor now. Um, but he has never changed his story. That's, that was what he experienced. And, you know, so to answer your question months after, so call it three or four months after the accident, I went to the junkyard because I had to see this truck. And I think I was still wondering like, okay, Lord, Matt says you were there, but like, were you really there? Like, was is this real? Like, are you real? And so I, we're looking at the wreckage. People are taking pictures. You know, I can't, you know, looking at it like I can't believe I made it out of this thing. And as I peeked into the window, right in the middle of the steering wheel that should have severed my leg, uh, right in the middle of this steering wheel, two pieces of metal had had bonded together in the shape of a cross in the center of the steering wheel. And for me, that was a moment that I've got a picture of it and I'll never forget it because it was like, that was Jesus saying, no, I, I was here, I was with you, you know? Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, Jesus is real. That really does answer my question. <laughs> it really does. And I couldn't help but reflect on that side of your story and then also relate to very much of my own being in different circumstances, um, me wanting to end my story and my mm. life and driving at full speed towards a telegraph pole at the end of the stretch of road and taking my hands off the wheel and then seeing like the car was veering off towards where the pole was, but then seeing the steering wheel that was veering turn away from the pole back onto the road, not even feeling my foot come off the accelerator onto the brake. And then 
coming to a complete stop all of a sudden, not far away from where the pole is. Like I say that was God because I didn't want to walk away from that wreckage that day. And there's no other explanation aside from me watching that steering wheel turn and then not even feeling my foot come off the accelerator and onto the brake. So it's like, I do believe, and there's many other examples of God being there in my life, Mm -hmm. like several near-death experiences, not just that one, that was my selfish choice, but several Mm -hmm. others that occurred in in my, my life, like being a baby and having salmonella food poisoning and then the doctors not being able to rehydrate my body or put a cannula in for that to happen. And then they had to take me into surgery, but there's complications with going into surgery when you're two years old and then having my whole church pray that I wouldn't have to go into surgery. And then the doctors go over my body again. They find a tiny, tiny vein, the size of a mustard seed in between my, my toes. Like that's God again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so exactly. it's not a coincidence, man. And when people say to me, how do you know that God is real? I point them to these kinds of stories. And I yeah. say to him, look, God is real because of this. And he's, he intervenes in some people's life because he's not done with those people yet. And yeah. I know there are people out there that I'm probably talking a little bit longer here, but I want you to speak to this as well. There may be people out there that haven't been saved mm-hmm. and they've gone on into eternity. But the amazing thing is their story and how they live their life lives on. It continues to live on. Mm-hmm. So for them to say that God isn't real because he did, God didn't, didn't intervene in this person's life is null and void because God mm-hmm. is still using that person's story. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, absolutely. There's, man, thank you for sharing your story too with, with me. Cause, uh, you know, I'm still in this period of, of figuring, not figuring out, but almost like accepting the the mission and the, maybe the message that I feel like God has given me to carry forward. And uh, I've never personally dealt with uh, wanting to end my life, but I've known people that have. And one of the people that's uh, two of the people that are in the book, that was their story. And uh, this, this gal heard my story. I, I gave like a shared my testimony with my friend Matt in front of my high school before I graduated. And this gal uh, heard my story and she wrote me a note and, uh, and I've got it framed because it meant so much to me, but her note had said, you know, she had recently went through a life threatening moment where she tried to end her life. And she said, my story had reminded her that God had saved her for a reason. And she felt like God had saved me and sent me to save her. And just, she just wanted to thank me and say like, you know, may God always be with you. And this note, um, she couldn't have known how much this note meant to me over the last 20 years. So much so that like, I, I reached out to her about a year ago and I said, Hey, can I use your name in in the book, um, in this story? And I sent her a picture of the note that she gave me. And she said, she didn't even remember writing it. It was, she doesn't even remember writing that note, but she said, I always remembered your story. And so she gave me the go ahead. And so that's, uh, 
the reason I shared that story is because um, my, and I, I don't want to get too far off track here, but I feel like this is the conversations going here for a reason. Um, in 2017 on my birthday and my, the day of my cousin's wedding, uh, my cousin's brother uh, about my age, he decided to end his life. And it was just the lowest point for my family. You know, it was like, this kind of stuff doesn't happen in my family. I mean, that's kind of like what was our attitude. This doesn't happen. Um, and Kyle was this amazing guy. He served in Afghanistan and, uh, you know, he had some trouble just feeling like he, he was like, am I truly loved? Am I accepted? Um, he, he dealt with some difficult things. Like, um, he, he was adopted, but he had a family that loved him. There was all these things going on. And, um, you know, it was after that happened that when I was asked to give that talk designed for God's purpose, it was like, I don't think I could have really uh, seen it at the time, but it was like, this is part of my purpose is for people that are uh, going to have a terminal illness, for example. Uh, that's that's uh, one of the gals in the book that's a close family friend was diagnosed with Huntington's Korea. At, it's like ALS. It's like Lou Gehrig's. And you, you're not going to survive. And I just uh, got to talk with her parents a couple of days ago, and they said that the the suicide rate among people that have ALS or Huntington's Korea is off the charts. And so we were just talking through what was the difference for Jamie? What was why did she she had such a strong faith even after she was given this illness? In fact, once she was given the diagnosis, it was like that calmed her spirit because she had wrestled with bipolar and all they were trying to medicate her for all these things that wasn't the issue. The issue was she had Huntington's. And so it was like that moment she realized I have a purpose and she lived her life to the very end, um, you know, to, to, uh, she, she stayed alive because she wanted to give hope to other people. And so I'm so excited for people to hear her story. If you haven't seen the documentary, it's why she smiles. So I want to share that on the podcast. Um, just an amazing human being that was given a death sentence and she lived her life for the glory of God to the very final moment. And, uh, and so anyhow, sorry, I'm off track, but uh, I appreciate you sharing your story because there's people that need to know that it's not, the end, you know, hang on, don't give up. Uh, God's got a plan for your life. No, man, I, I really do honor you for sharing her story because it is people's stories like that, that can be used to help another person. Cause you know, you, you never know what someone's going through mm -hmm. like on the other end. So it is more powerful to share the story than keep it away. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's admirable and it's, it's also inspirational at the same time to listen to someone that could have gone two ways and she chose the right way. You know, mm -hmm. she, she could have succumbed to the, the reality of the circumstances that were, she was faced with and she could have crumbled and said, no, I'm not going to, not going to share. I'm not going to do anything, but she chose the opposite. She chose the best path forward. 
which was, I'm going to be a blessing and I'm going to use it. And now you're still sharing her story. So that's, that's the beauty of it, man. And that's, that's how, that's how impactful God, God can be Mm -hmm. in people's lives. He gives us this story. He gives us these experiences like yours, Mike, like mine, like this girl's and so many others. And who are we to, to hide it away? We should amplify it. We should share it. And that's right. what this, this show is all about. So I appreciate you actually doing it, man. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I uh, couldn't have expected it would go that direction. And, uh, you know, I just want to honor the life of yeah my, my friend, uh, Jamie, and, and also the life of my cousin, Kyle. You know, I mean, it's life is not easy. And I hope like I never would want to water down someone's situation to say, I understand all of some, what somebody's going through. Um, I, I, I certainly don't, but I do know that. And I believe that, uh, the same power that raised the Lord from the dead. I know everybody listening may, may not have that same belief system, but, uh, man, the same power that, that, that raised Christ from the dead lives in the people that are willing to step out and trust him with their lives. And that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. That lives in us, you know, that, that same power. And there's people around us, our family, our friends, they need hope. They they need it. Uh, You can't get enough of it. You can't hope is never truly gone. I don't believe that for a second. And I believe that it's through stories that we can provide hope for people. And so once again, man, thank you for sharing your story. I wanted to ask you about, I'm not going off any of these set questions that I've been sent, by the way, this is all me being curious and wanting to know and learn from your story and unbox things you probably haven't been asked before, but what what was involved with your recovery process? Because not a lot of people would know. So you've been burnt 30% of your body. You have a brain injury. Do you still live with that brain injury today? I do. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I've recovered in a lot of ways. I've worked really hard over the last 20 years, but there's still things that are affected. Uh, my visual processing speed is is pretty slow. Um you know, so hand-eye coordination is not the greatest. I'm not the best golfer, uh, and maybe I maybe I wasn't before the accident too. But um, neither me, no. man. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there's the the thing that lingers more than anything would be, um, you know, that I still have lasting scars, and I still have, uh, you know, my my lower right leg can't fight off infection, so I've got to be careful with it and. So in those ways, that's uh, impacted my life. But I mean, like I said, it it could be so much worse than that. And you're now married with kids. Is that right? Married, married with kids and three, three, uh, three kiddos and uh, two boys and a girl. And we just we're so blessed. Uh, you know, the the Lord is amazing. I mean, the the, the road I've traveled has been has been long, but it's like looking back at it now and writing this book and getting it all, all out on paper. Uh, 
I'm just blessed. So blessed. Tell me about that process, man, of having this visual imparity that's going on with your brain. You've got a delay that's happening and you're writing a book. So writing a book is no easy thing to do. And you've got this thing that's going on with your brain. How did you make it all work? I use Siri a lot. So, uh, you know, on, on my phone, I, I talk to, to text a lot. And, um, uh, you know, I can, I can type much faster than I can see what I'm typing. Let's put it like that. And, uh, you know, back in 2014, when I was going through that uh, cognitive rehab, there was a gal there just doing her job, but she kind of went the extra mile and asked me, you know, I told her I had been missing handshakes, which was, I was super embarrassed about that. And I said, you know, what, what's, this has been going on for a long time. You know, what do you think? And she's like, well, tell me everything you see behind me. And I pointed out everything and I'm like mentioning like the wall and I'm trying to be obvious with it, you know? And she's like, so she stands up, she's like, so you didn't see this and this and this and everything like on the floor level I was missing. And uh, so she's like, you should probably go get that checked out. And sure enough, I went to an eye doctor and they said, yeah, the entire lower half of your vision is dark. So everything above equilibrium is light. Everything below is dark and you're not seeing, you're just not seeing things. And so I went through some rehab and was able to regain my vision, which of course that's helped with my visual processing but uh, that was part of the battle. And that was 12 years after my accident. So, I mean, long, long time after the accident. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey. Uh, the, other, the other way that I'm thinking back to that it was really difficult for me was as somebody who loves to play music, I've never been somebody that reads sheet music. But, uh, but even reading, like, chord charts where you, you have, like, the, you know, the chords C, G, or whatever, uh, over some words, I couldn't even stick with that. So I was trying to do like the Nashville number system or a color coded chart just so I could be able to s s go fast enough with the song and be able to play the chords. So it's, you know, it's come up in different ways, the, the uh, challenges, but God's given me ways to work through it. It's amazing, man. My two final questions for you. Where can people get a copy of your book? Where do you want them to get a copy of your book first and foremost? So Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Target, uh, it's all available for pre-order and releases on October the 18th. It's called Out of the Fire. What's the subtitle, Mike? Subtitle, How an Angel and Stranger Intervened to Save a Life. And can I tell you about one of the other strangers real quick? Please do. Uh, Pete Townsend uh, of The Who heard about my accident through uh, Bob and Tom radio and Bob and Tom were talking about uh, guitar picks for Kenny. People were sending guitar picks with little notes of encouragement and they're coming in from all over the nation. So they call Pete Townsend and the who's team over in London. And they say, when you send a guitar pick, he's like, you know what? I'm going to send uh, a guitar and I brought it because I just think it's amazing. This is a prize possession. So it says to Mike, this is the Phoenix Pete. And uh, this has been this has been a uh, inspiration to me over the years. So I'm, I'm I wanted to share that if, uh, if if anyone listening has access to Pete, I still to this day it's always been a dream of mine to meet him in person to say thank you. Uh, he was kind of the stranger in my life, 
because of course he's a celebrity, but I didn't know who he was when the accident happened. So apparently he's a big deal, some kind of rock legend. But um, it's, for me, it was what he wrote on the guitar. And then he wrote me a note on letterhead saying that he'd be praying for me and some other really kind things. And um, it it uh, was the inspiration behind my behind my recovery. You never know, man. Hopefully he hears this conversation and hopefully he sees your book. Yeah. So that would be, that would be awesome. I completely understand how you, how you would feel in that moment. Um, this is my, my final question for you. This is my all time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. They've been able to get it and show it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Uh, I would want them to say that Mike, uh, Mike reached for the stars and just wasn't afraid to um, wasn't afraid to go all in with whatever he did and, um, to certainly to share his faith and live his life. But, you know, um, of course all of it, I mean, the most important things are like that he was a, a good father and that his kids love him and he's got grandkids that love him. And, um, he's a good husband and his wife, uh, of, what is it? Uh, 75 years, uh, you know, uh, loves them. And, um, you know, but I hope that it, as they look at, as they remember me, I hope it would be, uh, Mike was not afraid to, uh, to go for it, you know, and to, to share his story with as many people that would listen. And, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Well, Mike, Thank you so much for your time today, your wisdom, your advice, your story. I honor yeah. it. I know my audience is going to love it and honor it too. But thank you so much for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. And uh, I can't, you know what? I've got to tell you before you hang up, I have to show you one thing. And it's it's in the making. Uh, it uh, is has been a 20-year journey. God gave me a dream about this capo. Uh, it's called the Kenny Capo for now. It's patented. It's non-production, uh, but it allows you to push down the individual strings above each of the of the um, fret of the strings on a fretboard. You, your listeners may not be musicians, but the reason I'm sharing this is uh, this is this is for me became the Phoenix because what it did is it it took away the limitations of the guitar. It made it more like a piano. And that's what I wrestled with for so long is I felt limited and God gave me this dream. And so whatever you're facing, just know that the Lord can use something as silly and small as a capo to, to change your life and to give you hope. And uh, so thank you, Jay. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 